0: Dunkin' Cold Coffee can be brewed at home in your Keurig coffee maker with Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods. Just brew it hot over ice and enjoy flavor that's crafted to serve cold. The home with Dunkin' is where you want to be.
1: Why are you dressed like a hockey goalie in our living room? Well, you know how I said that we really needed to save more? So you're dressed like a goalie because you make saves? Yes. Yes. Maybe we should just go to Navy Federal Credit Union. They have tons of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. Oh, what a save! (sighs) Grow your finances with the official military appreciation partner of the NHL. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey everybody, Holden here. And I'm Jake. And we are so excited to tell you about the Last Podcast Network Country Jamboree in Nashville, Tennessee at the historic Ryman Auditorium on June 18th. Holy shit, Jake, this is going to be amazing.
0: Now I know what you're thinking, what is a country jamboree for a podcast network? Well, it's a <laughs> super show where literally all the shows from the Last Podcast Network will be gracing the stage. We're talking the OG Boys Last Podcast on the left, page seven with uh, Holden McNeely, uh, Wizard and the Bruiser with also Holden McNeely. No dogs in
1: space. Brighter side. Fraudsters. Fraudsters. Someplace underneath. The story must be told. Fraudsters. It's going to be an incredible show. Fraudsters (laughs) is definitely going to be there. It's going to be an incredible show. Come check it out. Again, that's Nashville, Tennessee. June 18th. Ryman Auditorium. Last Podcast Network. Country Jamboree. Don't miss it.
0: Tickets available now.
1: me a talking shirt, and I'm a bruiser, and I'm, I don't know, just here to drink your blood and fuck shit up
0: and I may be a a hot-tempered high school girl who's looking for vengeance and trying to fight the forces of evil, but I have my friends, and I may not be clothing, and I may not be humanity, but I will show you what happens when you piss me off. Don't (laughs) lose your way in your mind. We have to be as one. Don't be afraid. And then a million things explode. (laughs) Wizard Jake.
1: What a fun week it's been of anime watching to do our episode on Kill la Kill. And always a pleasure to get to tackle one where it's like, oh, it's one season and 24 episodes. 25 technically. 25 There's an OVA release.
0: There's an OVA release it. Not, it's not on Netflix, but
1: it's there. I did my best to watch as much as I could. I got almost uh, all the way. Jake uh, re-watched the whole thing, though, and oh did get all the God. way. Oh my God, I loved every second of it. It's great. It's it's. I mean, it definitely has its stuff to debate and talk about. I I guess I'll preface it's one of the most
0: controversial uh, releases. Um, And I say that not as like a uh, you know like oh uh, uh, we mentioned uh, Sword Art Online is controversial because there's like people that defend it to the death and people that hate it. But I feel like Kill a Kill is one of those shows that actually sparks real debate that actually is kind of a 50/50 split in how you feel about it and it's it's genuinely a it, it makes you think about tropes it makes you think about culture it makes you think yeah. about all these different it's things in the
1: deconstructionist on. work it's definitely commenting constantly on anime itself and therefore uh it can it it can be easily debated like the i mean what we're referring to is a lot of fan service a lot of um uh, boobies and VJ shots and butts, but, you know, butts. And they're, you know, they're ah, high school girls too. So there's that whole fun element uh, as well. If you know, Uh, you want to throw that into the pot. It's yeah, it can be a bit, it can be a bit icky and, and sticky. And I'm um, not talking about Jake's wiener right now, guys. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about the the thing. Here's the thing,
0: Holden. I was born (laughs) with a boner for anime. I can like remember Like, the first time a friend of mine showed me some, like, manga that he got at Barnes & Noble that, like, their parents didn't realize was just full of, like, titties everywhere and going, like, (laughs) wow, pretty ladies, wow. (laughs) And the nudity in this is so like pervasive and often played for laughs, and yes. it fits this like weirdly complete metaphor about the nature of clothing and society and status and the way that we are like held down by expectations and our roles within society. That like I at no point am I like, ooh, hell yeah. Cause like we've watched some horny ass anime on this show. We have watched explicit, like, this is here to get boys to go. Goo goo gaga, hell yeah, me want hump hump. And for some reason, the fan service is so pervasive and so all over the place and animated with such a weird mix of like comedy and action and pathos that it almost like numbs yourself to the idea that what you are watching is explicitly for titillation. Now, hold Uh on, I will counter this, (laughs) I will counter my own counter. By saying this is the exact sort of shit that your most annoying fan of anime will do to justify uh-huh. watching cartoons where a bunch of 17-year-olds get naked all the time. <laughs> I, yeah, understand.
1: Yeah. I understand. I <laughs> understand. And that is an apt criticism. But this one definitely like serves up. I mean, I think in the it can be a lot more eye-rolly in previous works. Whereas this one... It's serving up a lot of comments on this sort of treatment of girls and women in anime and the history of anime. I mean, when we get into it, we'll even talk. Its writer is a giant '70s fan of manga and anime. The uh, the key animator, the the head animator uh, is the or the director, rather I should say, is a huge fan of '80s anime and and those two things melt together we're talking about like old school old school and you know a lot of times the old school doesn't hold up and i think a lot of times they're commenting on that stuff not holding up and at the same time wow there's so much of it i think maybe that's where like i turn the corner on it a little bit is because there's just so much it's like to the point it's just kind of like all right guys we get it you proved your point now I kind of just feel like we're doing this just for horniness' sake, and that's when it can be very difficult. I think a difficult sell for um, folks that this just makes this kind of thing makes them really uncomfortable. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say I was eked out. I, you know, I wasn't like ooh la la. I just enjoyed the hell out of the the animation, the frenetic energy. I love the main character. I love the fights. I love the the all these like crazy like the costume changes. I love the melding of magic girl with like battle shown and stuff all that the humor is the humor is like better I think than most and I think this this Short may of have One made Punch me laugh Man. out loud more even than One Punch Man I think I've laughed out loud more at and maybe it's a translation thing or something but like I, I have legitimately like it has surprised me with how funny it is.
0: If you've never heard of this show before or if you vaguely heard of it but like never watched it the director uh Hiroyuki Imaishi has an amazing command of uh, animation for the sake of humor as well mm-hmm. as like action as well as pathos. It's it's uh, all within a tight budget like there yeah. are entire sections of this show where two characters are having a sincere bloody battle to the death with the music raging and you are feeling every second of it as sincerely as you could. And then within ten seconds of that, there's like the cheapest, most like paper yeah. cut out, badly tw- like something off a of new grounds level animation, <laughs> yeah. and it is done so impeccably funny and off kilter, mm-hmm. and the timing of it is so great that you are bursting out laughing at the same time. And, you know, that is a product of its budget. Yeah. You know, this was a weekly animated program by a new studio that did not have the same budgets that they were used to. And they managed to take all of these shortcuts and get the most out of them. And even the most still and, like, static shots, they would do interesting things with the camera work. They would do interesting things with the color The entire series has this bizarre dream logic to it where everything is seeped in Japanese history, in anime tropes, in puns, in religious imagery. Like it's just this watching this show. It feels like a world unto itself. It feels Uh like it marches at its own pace. Its own language. Yeah. Really unique experience. And yes, a lot of a lot of asses.
1: There's a lot of asses. <laughs> and, and, and then also asses, but also uh, a lot of that humor comes from it's the show's writer Kazuki Nakashima, who I think just understands the ins and outs of anime and the history of anime, especially like fight and battle anime and stuff. I mean, obviously Mech as well. I mean, these guys were also who gave us Gurren Lagann, but uh, before this, but you know, he's just. It, they do such a good, it's such fertile ground to like shounen anime and even elements of magical girl. Like, it's it can be so self-serious a lot and and also it works with the building and breaking of tension which is like such a comedy thing. So you meld those things together and like play on how self-serious it can be and then just the the element of surprise where they just throw like a gag in the middle of you know a like you said like in the dead middle of like this incredibly tense battle. And I think that's what makes it work so well. Whereas, you know, most shows of this sort, like when the battling is happening, that's serious time. Mm-hmm. And then the and then when they, they only serve up comedy when like it's in between fights and mm-hmm. they're at home and the cute pet is there and yada, yada, yada. It's a you know filler I mean?
0: episode because they just yeah. blew their budget on a big fight uh, an in, episode in, and
1: yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. And you hear the goofy music and then they do the comedy, which like never really works nearly as well as throwing it in the dead middle of like the most intense part of this like fight in an episode. It's so good. And yeah, it just made me laugh a lot and is and constantly again referencing itself and referencing um anime as a whole and I I do love that. And yeah, it just it just constantly surprises and it's constantly stimulating like the pacing of the show. I love to I just saw uh, recently the episode where they're like, all right, you knew it was coming. It's the recap episode. (laughs) And then they don't actually make it a recap episode, they recap it in like this really quick dialogue in like one minute of of Mm -hmm. television episode space. And then at the very end they were like, we fooled you, didn't we? Like you thought this was gonna be a whole thing, but this show's pacing's so ridiculous, like the recap is also gonna be like that, so here's the rest (laughs) of the episode, and then they get into like, you know, they move it forward, but The breakneck pace, Uh,
0: it's true, the breakneck pace of this uh, series where characters will go through entire arcs that will would usually mm-hmm. take like entire you know ten episode arcs to get yeah. through. It happens with like within a single episode. They just like yeah. cut to the meat, and I, I swear it it hits hard while lampshading every single trope that they are both celebrating and taking the piss out of. And again, I can't I can't stress this enough. I understand I sound like your weird friend trying to explain (laughs) why the horny anime is actually good, but there is tons and tons and tons of symbolism and imagery and uh, treatises on uh, the nature of fascism, on society, on what it means to express yourself, uh, what it means to sacrifice itself for the greater good. How do you change a world that uh is seems doomed and from what angle you know are you an anarchist are you a uh, reformist like all of these things are happening amongst the blood splatters and giant robots yeah. and
1: dicks and pussies and fashion fashion's a huge theme in the in the show and and how you know fashion uh, can objectify uh, its subjects and things like that. And, and I, Actually,
0: I said dicks and pussies. There is no visible genitals. They they don't go yeah, that oh, far. Oh, yeah.
1: There's no, well, I mean, just barely. There are moments, though, when, you know, there's just a tiny thread of hair just <laughs> covering, you know, a nipple. I mean, for sure. But I mean, don't for the watch this part, on yeah. the
0: bus. Don't watch it on the bus.
1: And the main character, by the way, uh, Ryuko, is fucking badass. I love her vibe. I love the whole deal. And she's constantly being like, this fucking, fuck this suit. Like, fuck what, you know, I hate what it's, you know, how, what it's doing. And then like her, that ridiculous uh friend of hers that is so funny and always like there, what's her Mako. name? Mako. Mako, the uber cutesy, like ridiculous, like over the top, you know, she's always just like, she loves it. She loves what the suit does <laughs> to her, you know? And she's always like, fuck you, that's not true. And, and, you know, again, it's yeah, it's incredibly aware of itself. Maybe I would feel it would be slightly different if there was a woman involved in the creative creative process. I wonder if that would have changed things a little bit. It is two guys, mm-hmm. and I think that that maybe uh, pushes more the point towards like. You know, yes, but... You oh, actually, know. Hilton, I mean, it's I'm, I'm yes, looking it but. up on...
0: I'm looking up the credits, and the actually, the character designer was... Uh, no, wait, never mind. Also a guy.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, this amazing anime series, Kill la Kill, uh, produced by Studio Trigger as their first project, written by Kazuki Nakashima, directed by Hiroyuki Imaishi. The show follows a schoolgirl named Ryuko Matoi, who, in searching for her father's killer, comes up again... Against Satsuki Kiryuuin, the uh, student council president of Hanoji Academy, their outfits, which are sentient, give them enormous power, and Ryuko must battle against the captions, the captains rather, of various school clubs in order to face her nemesis. This show ran back in 2013 in Japan and is 24 episodes long. And at first, you're kind of thinking oh, she's going to like each episode, she's going to take on a different captain of a school committee and it's going to be like that kind of shonen battle anime. But very quickly, it just completely jumps off into other tel- territories.
0: So there's a reason for all this. Um, the First of all, the rivalry between uh, Ryuko and Satsuki uh, Kiriyuen, uh is like maybe one of the all-time great red team, blue team rival yeah. characters in the- his, or Very I, fun. I think the trope is called, like, red oni, blue oni, based on, like, an old mythology trope. But,
1: uh, you know, I'm, I'm it talking Goku very, and know, now, Vegeta. I'm talking Sasuke and Naruto. Or Guts and- um, Griffin. Oh, yeah, and Griffin. Like, that almost, to me, is more- mm-hmm what it is because guts like because she is such like a shit talking badass kind of kind of character and then um you know uh what is it again it's satsuki uh, satsuki Satsuki is very much that regal like you know royal like very composed and very you know um high class kind of thing like griffin
0: oh yeah 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 so like uh Ryuko is the classic anime hothead. She rides motorcycles, wears black. Uh, Instead of an eye patch on her face, she has like an eye patch on her sailor uniform. Uh She's tough and rumble, you know, says like, but in a, you know, in a lady voice. Uh, I mean, her (laughs) voice is almost indistinguishable from a shounen protagonist voice, which are usually done by women. Uh, because just to get the quality of performance, you can't actually hire like shot boys to do it. Um, and Satsuki represents like the the class and uh, governance and you know, uh, uh, wealth and all of these forces. And that's usually where, you know, uh, especially a class and manners-driven society like Japan always kind of comes down to it. Uh, Ryuko is left to live in the slums at the literal bottom of this pyramid city that uh, is organized based on the high school. That's one of the other things about the setting. The Honoji Academy, which is the setting... Uh, is named after Hanoji Temple, where uh, Oda Nobunaga, a famous warlord from the Warring States period, launched his uh, campaigns against the greater region and also the place of his betrayal and downfall. And it's the entire, the elevation of high school politics as Global politics in the show where the better you are in school, the more powerful a school uniform you're given and the better Uh house you're given. And, you know, uh, it's this giant metaphor for like how, especially in Japan, school is given so much uh, weight. You know, kids go to cram school. Kids struggle to get into the high-ranking universities. How you do in high school dictates your, like, literal path through life. And if you are a no-star, if you're an underachiever, you're just doomed to squalor. And uh, Ryuko shows up to this uh, topsy-turvy kind of uh, cartoon city where all of these class distinctions are heightened and is basically dedicated, A, to get the truth out of Satsuki because she uh, has some kind of information about the murder of her father, and also just to tear down this unjust system, this seemingly just unfair, oppressive system that uh, Satsuki has arranged in this town where high school is life, is law. It's just, I, God, it's so good.
1: It's so yeah, good. Yeah, and also this is where these elements of fascism are coming in and connected to fashion because they're connected to the school uniforms themselves. And, you know, this faceless mass of people all wearing the same uniform. I mean, they literally even, you can see them studying the rise of Hitler Uh, in The literal
0: first words. The first words that you hear on screen is a teacher explaining the Nazi party's rise to power in 1933. Then, the second thing that happens Mm -hmm. is a literal jackboot of Ira (laughs) Namagori knocks down the door and starts yelling at the class for obedience.
1: Uh Yes, and Satsuke uses Orwellian slogans to rule the school, such as fear is freedom and subjugation is liberation. And I mean, if you even think about it, like one of the dirty secrets of uh, not so secret of uh, the Nazi party is Hugo Boss designed those Nazi uniforms you know I mean it's it is actually literal like fashion mixed with fascism. and oh, you know oh god by the way, that's we're 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 already introducing to a lot of play on words, and mm-hmm. you know a lot of use, words sounding the same or meaning the same, uh, meaning uh, being the same word that means some two different things. I mean, I think that's like a very normal thing in Japan in general, but uh, they do it like tenfold in this show, such as "kill the kill" itself, which means um, it can can mean uh, "cut to wear." uh, because of the different meanings of, yeah. of the word
0: killing by cutting clothes is like you know, it's all layer on layer on layer. All the character names, especially if you take in the uh, kanji meaning of their names, all kind of like have layers of meaning. um and the uniform thing, the Nazi thing, it was literally the same case in Japan. in the 1930s, there was a military coup that uh, uh, and it sparked the formation of the Axis powers, and that's where, the military, the military style uniforms that Japanese school kids still wear. The sailor suit was based uh-huh. on a navy uniform and those wow. high-collar
1: That's right.
0: shirts that boys wear was based on army uniforms.
1: And of course, the sailor suit is also synonymous with magical girl shit. And this is of course again a big tie-in to the show because it's a mixture of battle anime with a uh, magical girl.
0: Yeah. So the actual the actual like mechanics of fascism as like laid out in the 1930s, uh, relies on, like, uniforms and the blood of young people. Like, you don't perpetuate the system unless you capture the youth and, from an early age, make them understand they are part of this national machine. And the way you do that is through uniforms. Like, it's...
1: This is such a, like... I feel like I'm I'm in fucking English class in, like, college. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is exactly the kind of fodder that would be perfect for that. Sands the many tits and vaginas that are just thrust into your face... Especially me, because I had uh, 3D glasses and smell vision So it was just intense as hell for me. I feel like I just got lost in in the mini breasts and vaginas.
0: Well, I would even argue that the creators of this show, who are both in their 50s, uh, grew up and uh, came of age in their 70s and the 80s. Where these kind of adult, naughty animes, especially the work of Go Nagai, who uh, totally. did Devilman, did a bunch of, we've brought him up a million times.
1: Yeah, and we'll bring him up again. I even, I have some stuff on Devilman a little more in more detail as we get into Liberated the notes,
0: their generation through titty anime. Like, you know, <laughs> this this oppressive post-war, uh, pre-war, post-war society that they grew up in was, uh, you know, the, the restraints were let go because of horny weirdos making bloody awesome sexy anime
1: mom can i sit by someone else at the thanksgiving table cousin jake's freaking me out
0: i understand (laughs) what i am saying is the exact thing but i'm not saying this about like some, you know, there was like a, I forget what was the name of the show where like they, they had there was like girls had to compete in bikini games against each other, like Dead or Alive, <laughs> the video game series. I I really wanted to get to the bottom of this because there is so much going on in this show, and it feels like there's it's it. It would be wrong to just dismiss it as like, oh man, icky anime section.
1: Right. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And that's why I'm glad we're we're getting into it. We'll continue to get into it the episode because it is so nuanced and it has had me thinking a lot this week.
0: Just so I can just purge this idea out of my system, because I have been actively wrestling with this thing all week, nude, oiled up wrestling in my yes, own mind. Yes, I with watch these. you. I've
1: never, I've never seen a man grapple with an idea in the same erotic way in which I saw you do it uh, uh, the other day uh, on video chat. That, by
0: the way, <laughs> thank you for showing up for that. Yeah,
1: no problem. My pleasure, man. I mean... <laughs> I got I got uh, you know a little oiled up myself, let's just so say so
0: I went on one of the many I went on a bunch of actually uh feminist anime blogs. Mm. And I like because this is this show has been a topic of great debate and great uh you know analysis. And the most common conclusion is when it came out, the mostly female cast. And the uh, actual, re- like, real parables and real societal commentary that was going on were so revolutionary that many of the writers were like, yes, this is a feminist work. This is cool. This is rad. This operates on a different level than just your baseline cheesecake fan service. This is good. And upon re-watching, their most common note was like, nah... Nah, it's not. It, there's really exploitive shots. Uh, the main villain, Ragyo uh, Kiryuan is Satsuki's mother, and she does a lot of heinous shit in a way that is uh, not even—you rem- can't even, like, weird cousin justify your way out of it being, <laughs> like, a good thing. Like, it's there's some real icky stuff in there. And— you know, maybe the the sign of a mature critical thinker is seeing when things are problematic and still being able to enjoy them. Uh huh.
1: Yeah i I agree. I think it's like I think it's we're too quick, especially these days, just be like, nah, fuck that show. It's got this, you know, it's got this element, so fuck it altogether entirely. And I think sometimes that does a disservice to to the work to some of these great like works and I do think this is an amazing work of art I mean in a lot of ways it's very i like what you said the other day though about anime as a whole and like what this show constantly is like throwing at into your face It is this bizarre combo of high art and low art that mm-hmm. I don't see many other places. It is like incredibly. On the cutting edge of, like, this, to me, feels like the most kind of, yeah, current, modern, you know, fascinating stuff when it comes to animation, when it comes to... I mean, we just talked about, uh, like, 12 different themes that they are seamlessly weaving throughout this entire series in a way that it just, like, washes over you. I mean, it is, on so many levels, brilliant. But then also... titties (laughs) titties <laughs> so it's just hard to <laughs> parse mm-hmm. and separate it's almost you almost want like a uh a, uh a, a, to sift or or, or like um you know some something that would like uh like a coffee filter or something you know what i mean to filter out and look at it all separated right but, but i think in a would, lot of ways it would that's be a different show it would be a different yeah. show Completely, for sure. So uh, anyways, shall we get it? I want to get into, do you have any more thoughts on this or we can come back to it as we well? We can Jake? come back I mean, to it. I think it's a constant conversation throughout. Holding, there
0: Buffalo are World. so many threads of meaning woven throughout this show that has to do with fashion and liberation that I couldn't get through it all in one foaming, weird cousin rant.
1: Totally, totally. Um, uh, Studio Trigger. Let's talk about Studio Trigger and get into the history of all of this a little bit. Studio Trigger was founded by former Gainax employees Hiroyuki Imaishi, who we already talked about, the director of Kill la Kill, and Masahiko Atsuka back in 2011. Yes, Gainax, you might remember that production company name. Uh, that is, of course the uh, group behind Neon Genesis Evangelion. Also footy Kuri. Yes, of course. Uh, it was founded by a group of university students. I mean, listen to our Neon Genesis episode for more details on that. Of course, including Hideaki Anno, uh, who uh, gave us Neon Genesis. In the 2000s, Gynex found further success with a show called Gurren Lagan, And mm. this was written and directed by these same two guys, the team that gave us Kill la Kill, Kazuki Nakashima and Hiroyuki Imaishi. Uh, and now Gurren Lagan, it was a mech anime honestly we could also do an episode on this this is incredibly popular set in a fictional future earth it centers around two teenagers named Simon and Kamina more male driven for sure uh, they live underground and they wish to go to the surface which they do using the help of a mecha known as Lagon again dealing with classism dealing with like this wish to rise above uh, uh, their their given station drills, the show, is, a huge the show hit.
0: is about drills
1: yes drills lots of drills the show is a hi- big hit and Got tons of praise from critics for its vibrant animation, charismatic characters, subversive writing, and humor, which I feel like you could also use to describe Kill a Kill. Now, I want to go into a little more detail about each of these guys. It's very interesting. I love that, we'll get into it in a second, but I love that Nakashima is like actually has a playwriting background mm-hmm. for like those big, crazy action plays that Japan... I want to go to Japan and watch a bunch of plays, I think. (laughs) It's kind of where I'm at. It seems like they're doing really fun, cool stuff. Once a theater kid, always a theater kid. Uh, Seriously. Imaishi, though, we'll go to him first. The director had a love for mechs at an early age. He said, I was born and grew up in Tokyo. I am from a middle class family, so I don't really remember any kind of hardship. I enjoyed manga and anime as a kid, so when I was in the third grade at elementary school, around 10 years old, I saw the theatrical version of of mobile suit Gundam and loved that. After that, it was all about Gundam and building model kits. He was a non-athletic weirdo like most of us. He also got, uh, so he got into drawing manga. He said, when I was at junior high school and high school, I wasn't really able to get into the sports clubs (laughs) is where... The concept of clubs, of clubs in high school comes in uh, for these guys. As a result, I joined the cinema or visual media appreciation type clubs. Around this time, I started to draw my own manga. When I was finishing high school, I had to decide what I was going to do at university. At that point, I was pretty sure that the only thing I could be good at was anime or manga. Between the two, I thought animation would be the best choice for me. While I did go to university, but after that, I couldn't think of doing anything else other than animation. His university was, quote, essentially an art college. And while there, he studied filmography while making his own anime on the side. He said it was very, like, avant-garde, experimental. Even He took an animation class even, but it was very much trying to teach, like, off-the-grid, wild mm-hmm. kind of animation stuff. So he was actually like, hey, I kind of want to just pursue traditional, you know, or, or not traditional. I just wanted to pursue this, like, fun anime thing mm-hmm. over here and not really like get it, you know, I'm not like really as much of a Bergman, Fellini kind of guy, you know what I mean? So, uh, Emi, she said, uh, as for how I ended up at Gainax, I liked their work to begin with and when I was looking for a job there was a job advert for Neon the Evangelion and it was a mecha anime. Admittedly, Gainax had made mecha anime before, but it had been a while so it was good timing. This was the first anime I worked on at Gainax. He started out as a key animator. He said, for directing you send instructions to someone who can draw that key animation and explain what you need them to do. If you are a key animator, receive that direction, you then actually draw from those frames. As my background started with key animation, I sometimes want to do this when I direct. And I, you can see a lot of one to one from the just the flow and movement uh, uh, in Neon Jesus Evangelion and a lot of like their action sequences and stuff like that. I mean, how would you summarize like Imaishi's? contribution on Kill la Kill and as, you know, with animation and direction.
0: So uh, I first heard of Imaishi uh, in 2004 when I was uh, still going to college and as part of the anime club and this uh OVA film came out called Dead Leaves and this was... Uh, if I think his directorial debut, I'm not sure. Maybe he worked on other shows. I did not catch the couple of episodes of Metabots that he also worked on in 1999. That true heads will be like, hey, if you've ever wanted to be like, holy shit, this episode of Metabots kicks ass. Look up these ones that Imaishi directed, and I uh, I did actually look those up, and they are in fact really good. Um, but. One of the things that uh, really dictates a Imaishi work is an almost total disregard for consistency. One of the things that highlights most AAA anime is everything is on model, everything is crisp, everything is lush, everything is smooth, and the uh, what you lose in that dedication to fidelity and consistency is a lot of emotion and a lot of energy that the art of cartooning is capable of, especially for a budget uh, conscious art form like anime, where the turnaround time is so fast, the money and staff available to you is so scarce. You should be able to take things in weird directions to sell a point. Um, Something akin to the kind of uh, overblown reactions of like an old Looney Tunes or something. Like it, it almost feels more cartoony and more energetic and chaotic than your standard anime in an Imaishi film. Um, an example of this in Kill a Kill is one of the Elite Four uh, are villains like enforcers, also a trope on the Four Heavenly Kings or the uh, Four uh, Sin Monkeys. There's actually... Uh, it's almost one. To, one of the four heavenly kings has his eyes blocked. Another has his mouth blocked. Another deafens people with sound, and another's ultimate attack binds himself in shibari like wrapping so he can do no evil. Whatever. It's there's more symbolism everywhere. But Aira Gim, uh, Gamagori, his size in the anime from frame one. He can be as tall as a building to a normal teenager size. From frame to frame, it literal. There is no internal consistency on how big he is drawn in the frame. Only just for the sake of comedy and presence and emotion yeah. in
1: Kill a Kill. Scale, yeah, is nuts in this show. It's <laughs> yeah, such a great sc- way. Oh, the
0: scale is yeah, completely gonzo. Characters will loom overhead. If they're delivering a powerful speech, as if they were the size of a titan, and then even though in canon they're just like a normal sized character, Perspective I know it's like a played-out phrase, but
1: it is everything is like turned up to eleven. Like any mm-hmm. anime choice that one might make to get something across in in a show, they they take that. They're like, okay, I'm going to take that trope and I'm going to and I'm going to exaggerate it for the sake of humor mm-hmm. times three because we know what's going on here. You know, I mean, one of my favorites is. When they're going at each other. I forget who she's fighting. Is she fighting the defense guy? And they're going, you know, and they're doing that whole whole thing and they're running at each other, Mm -hmm. Ryuko. And I forget who she's fighting in that scene. And they're both going, cutting back and forth. And like, they just do it for so long (laughs) and you, you know exactly what it is. You've seen it a million times in anime. And then of course, uh, her friend pops in between the two of them and like a total chibi look and like totally sucks the air out of the whole thing uh, after all of that build up and you're just like dying laughing the whole time because they just I love I love shows like these now where it's like we know you know you've seen this a billion times like I kind of doubt that anybody's gonna watch Kill the Kill first you know like that's probably going to be an anime you get to eventually. Like, no one's generally going to recommend Kill la Kill as the, you know, a baby's first anime, right? So oh, yeah. No, just it's definitely a show.
0: Stuff. I mean, how would you appreciate the joke where Mako gets to wear uh, Jotaro's uniform from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure for one episode <laughs> if you don't have that grounding in anime nerdery?
1: Yeah, it's awesome, for sure.
0: Oh, so yada, 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 Imaishi... Uh, I think with—I didn't know that background in kind of experimental animation, but that kind of blatant disregard for the uh, manners and pacing Uh and standards of uh, normal, like, AAA anime really sets him apart and allows him to do a lot of things that, you know, people that maybe are a little burnt out or have seen, like, every episode of Naruto— Would not see
1: coming. Never ceases to surprise. But then you also have the writer, Kazuki Nakashima. Nakashima was a huge fan, a huge manga fan as a child. And when he gets to high school, he wishes to join the manga club. Uh, Nagashima said, but it turned out that, that the high school I went to didn't have a manga club. Since you have to do some kind of club activity in school, I looked around for the next most interesting thing. And that was the theater club in Fuku, uh, in Fukuoka on the uh, Southern Island of Kyushu there, where I grew up, there is a lot of emphasis placed on high school creative theater. So, we used to go see regional drama contests and spend a lot of time making our own plays. He was a theater nerd, ladies and gentlemen, after my own heart. That experience is what made me think that I could write plays, too. As for manga influences, he read everything from Go Nagai and uh, uh, especially, as you mentioned before, Devilman, the series that began back in 1972, sitting around a high school student who gets the powers of a devil uh, to fight uh, uh, other demons and things. He liked stories with a ton of action. Action, and he brings that to his plays as well. So while breaking into a career in manga, he also started writing plays, finds a niche in writing manga-like action theater, and becomes hugely successful doing this. He he first broke into his career as a successful playwright in collaboration with a director named uh, Hidenori Inoue, uh, with whom they founded a theater company called Gekidan Shinkansen. And through the 80s and 90s, they found a ton of success, creating these like high octane stage dramas, tons of energy and spectacle just this amazing that's why i like really want to check this kind of stuff out cuz i don't really i don't think this really exists in the states and it's it's japan's own like you know we've we've always like laughed about you know the death note musical and all this kind of stuff and like kind of adapting anime to musical form and using a lot of like interesting visual effects to pull off action scenes and stuff like that but it really is something they're doing out there that is just in its own lane in in terms of theater that you don't really get a lot of I places.
0: mean fucking Yoko Taro can do a near ser- a series of plays based on the near universe like yeah.
1: shit's crazy. It's cool it's, exci- it's like exciting and interesting and that's where he was this whole time so he's just figuring out how to essentially do what he's eventually going to do in anime but on a stage which is really fascinating using all those limitations so it was actually fascinatingly enough I love this tidbit it was actually Hideaki Ano who puts these two creative powerhouses together it's like our Marcus Jake yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was on a project called Re uh, Cutie Honey. Mm. R E colon Cutie Honey. Nakashima said, Back in 2004, Ano san was the director for Cutie Honey's live action film. A project popped up for a spin off of the series, a three episode OVA called Re Cutie Honey. I received an offer from uh, Ano to oversee the series composition and script for episode one. Imaishi san was the episode director for it. Uh, Imaishi said, to be honest, I only started watching the Gekidan uh, Shinkansen, his theater company, uh, after encountering re-Cutie Honey's script. Immediately she became heavily inspired by Nakashima's theatrical work, and the two decided to work on another project together. As they found they had a great working relationship, that next project would be the highly successful Gurren Lagan. Uh, but I will say about Cutie Honey, has some uh, similarities to Kill la Kill. It's about like a uh, a woman who uh, does have like a a magical transformation into oh, a. Oh, no.
0: There's just as much ass and titties in oh, Cutie yeah. Honey as there is in Kill a Kill. The clothing goes. No, black. not a
1: thing called Cutie Honey. I could never believe that would have that sort of treatment of a woman. <laughs> I mean, to bring it
0: around, it's the, the manga Cutie Honey was made by previously mentioned Go Nagai. Like, it really was this. He kind of ushered in what we associate with anime being this, like. Source of titillating content, both violence and sex. Like it, he was like a one man revolution there. Um, so it makes sense that like this that kill a kill about this society being uh, overwhelmed by uh, strict roles and being subsumed into I you know this this singular identity being controlled by a galactic uh, power that beyond uh, comprehension. Is liberated through cheesecake uh fetishy, uh gir- magical girls, uh and nudity. Literally the uh the 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 revolutionary group in the show is called nudist beach, and there's a bunch of jokes yeah. that all the members, men and women, are walking around like uh with nothing but ammo belts covering their
1: genitals. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think it's mostly all dudes too. Yeah. It's like a guy thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so it was actually Hediaki. I uh, already read that. Uh, so, of course, Gurren Lagan proves to be so successful that Ami- Imeishi decides to go off and launch his own production company, Studio Trigger. And their first big project needed to make a huge splash. Imeishi said, I couldn't think of creating anything with anyone other than Nakashima-san anymore. So, from the planning stage, we immediately reached out to him. That's how impactful. Their working relationship was on Gurren Lagann. I mean, they really caught fire with that, and it was incredibly, incredibly successful. Gurren Lagan. Um, other similarities to Gurren Lagann, uh and Kill la Kill, definitely right. Like the high, uh, pay, like the fast pace, mm-hmm. frenetic energy. Right. The I definitely want to go back and watch it. I will say I have not seen Gurren Lagann, but from everything I read, it also is jam packed with that humor uh, interwoven throughout these, like, big action piece sequences, right? I will
0: say uh, the endings of both Kill a Kill and Gurren Lagan reach these dizzying heights where, like, every even within the comedy concepts and all the times they take the piss out of the proceedings, by the end, you are on the edge of your seat as, like, characters are ascending to higher and higher heights, and the villains are, like, becoming more and more powerful. I mean, Lagan famously ends with like uh the hero and the villain literally throwing entire galaxies at each other yeah. because the the stakes are are, you know, being raised to such a ludicrous degree. Uh the I the kill a kill when it reaches its end game becomes this almost operatic beautiful uh just insanely intense. Piece of anime television that I is Mm -hmm. watching it again. I literally just finished the series before we recorded and I'm still a little bit shaken by it.
1: So, yeah, I think one of the biggest things they had to grapple with initially was actually how the fuck are we going to top Gurren Lagan? Nagashima said, we changed our way of thinking and said, let's forget about Girl Lagann and just create the most interesting story that we can think of. That's why we added elements to Kill a Kill from my favorite school resistance themed shonen manga and 1970s Toei, uh, pinky violence, a genre of sexed up bad girl films, a manga by the name of kugumi was serialized in the 1970s, but there isn't a female version. Is there, it was from that line of thinking that the idea of quote, two heroines in a rival relationship fight each other while, Off at rosettastone.com today uh so otoko gumi yeah
0: was a uh another violent 70s uh manga that made waves and it was has a very similar presence where uh a high school has been taken over by a violent and charismatic leader
1: here actually let me i have the uh synopsis here. Oh, let me okay. just read it out so you can find the similarities in that Backed by a fixer who controls the political and economic circles, a high school student, uh, Jinryu Goji, governs his school. So, of course, very much like the uh, nemesis of Ryuko. Seyun Gakuen. Uh, is the name of the school. In response, the school authority asks Nagare Zinjiro, a champion of Chinese martial arts who killed his father and was sentenced to a juvenile detention center to fight Jinryu Goji. The story revolves around uh, school students. The story revolves around combats between the two. The duel develops into extensive conflicts involving high school students nationwide and eventually leading figures in political and economic circles. Very kill a kill The artist represented detailed movements of Kung Fu which was extremely popular at the time. The series was epochal in that it uh, established a new genre of manga highlighted by conflicts on campus, which is still wildly popular in anime. Basically, today. what if High School Fist of the North Star? Yeah, uh, and, and then pinky violence is a genre that aligns with American sex exploitation films in the 70s, such as like Caged Heat, mm-hmm. with a prime example being uh, Norifumi Suzuki's Sex and Fury done. These are Toei films, by the way. Uh, that was a film from 1973, uh, which cinders around a petty criminal who is on the quest to find her father's murderer and gets involved with the Yakuza, among other things. And oh, yeah, there's a bunch of tits in it.
0: In an interview with Imaishi and Nakashima before the show was released, um, the initial concept started with a drawing that Imaishi did of gender-swapped versions of the characters from Otoko Gumi hanging out in a bar. Um, From there, they kind of had this idea for a battle manga kind of thing where, you know— uh, it's a very basic premise and the first couple of episodes kind of deal with it where each captain of the school represents a distinct and weird fighting style that Ryuko has to fight through to get to uh, Satsuki in order to you know topple this bizarre student government. And as the episodes continued, which uh, according to them, they had way less uh, foresight and like way less prep than they had for Gurren Lagann. The show kind of took on a more character-based focus, and uh, Nakashima ended up taking on more and more writing responsibility personally as he was setting up things and episodes and wanting to resolve them himself. And it took on a attitude that they both call more manga-like, where they mm. were just... At a certain point, seeing where the characters were and following where they were going and kind of adapting and trying new things every week with uh, less of a, like, sincere kind of, like, then this happens, then we get to the third act and we follow these beats and we introduce this guy. They just kept adding characters and developing them and seeing how they were going. And it kind of – it feels like – it kind of contributes to the dream logic of the show where, you know, characters can – transform and switch sides and topple buildings and new forms and new powers are discovered and done away with it it really does kind of it doesn't follow it at once, by the end, you're like, oh, my God, what a complete experience. But week to week, it feels like you're flying by the seat of your
1: pants. And so much of that is just Nakashima trying to write scripts that makes Ima, uh, Imaishi excited. Because imaishi will just, like, straight up slap down a script, like, really mm-hmm. easily. In fact, he uh, they even talked about how I think the first... Four scripts uh, Nakashima wrote for like the first four episodes were all rejected by mm-hmm. Imaishi. Uh, and so that was the whole thing with them. And so um, it, essentially, it worked like this Imaishi created a prototype of Ryuko. And then they both said, you know, hey, I think we might have something here. Then they started to imagine that character just moving through space. And Nakashima gets to work on a script. Nakashima said, once you take that original idea and have a prototype of the character drawn for it, it's all about whether or not you can then picture scenes of that character moving in your head. So the, then he said, if I write a completely normal script, I don't think Imeishi-san would show much interest in it. So I'm always stuffing in these elements that make it seem like I have a screw loose. A prototypical example of that in Kill the Kill would be that there are a bunch of crazy characters who appear with this sense of, I'm steadfast in my beliefs and I will still never stop uh, to listen to someone else's opinion. And that made writing the script a lot of fun. I decided from the very beginning not to add a single normal character. Like even the more tradi- seemingly more traditional characters are just kicked up to a ridiculous degree, including like her friend. Would normally be, I think, a lot more down to earth. And she's like on cocaine, like the whole series. And (laughs) she is so ridiculous. You may, she said. When writing for stage, Nakashima-san supposedly writes realistic stories that appeal to people in their 50s. But when he was making an anime with me, it felt like he was using the skills of a 50-something-year-old to express themes with a fifth-grader's way of thinking. An integral part of this 5th grader sensibility involves using humor and jokes to relieve tension. But it also involves illogical things or implausible ideas that your average person would never put into action, even if they did happen to come up with them. Most of the time, you'd have no choice but to snuff out that fictional world. Uh, Also, he said, but Nagashima-san was stubborn. He tapped into his adult sophistry and painstakingly brought that world to life. Actually, the process of creation was very cathartic. We were making such ridiculous scenes. The more we expressed ourselves proudly at the top of our lungs, the better it felt. Together, we created a work that is ridiculous and filled with trashy elements at first glance. But somewhere within it all, there's an element of truth. Even as we snorted at that idea, we still believed in it with all of our hearts." It was something that just happened. And I think that's the part that made me happiest about this whole project. And that might be the thesis statement right That there. is
0: brilliant. Because, like, Kill a Kill is a fan service riddle. Yeah. Like, you can debate endlessly whether it's using the cheesecake sexiness to make a point, or is it using all these points to make cheesecake sexiness?
1: Right. It's the same duality of a fifth-year-old man writing as a fifth grader, or is it like you know, it, 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 like where where does it end and where does it begin? Where does the sophisticated writer begin and where does the fifth grader end? You I know?
0: will say, and this is my thesis statement, and I understand if this is not the conclusion you come to because I this is like this is weird cousin logic to its most highest degree, but. The lesson of Kill the Kill at the end is that the secret to fulfillment and true freedom is to fight naked, to fight as you truly are without like any sort of artificialness, without any outside influence, without dictates from uh, a higher order telling you what you have to make of your life. Uh, you know, true liberation happens when we all join together as the naked apes that we really are. Like, our heroes win the day by embracing their shamelessness, their, according to fascism, uh, moral degeneracy, and all the other messy human qualities that, uh, you know, authoritarians want to stamp out uh, through uniformity, through a focus on industriousness, on heteronormativity. Um, You know, the ultimate victory over authority is to just be a weird freak and to realize that there's more weird freaks than there are ubermenches in this world.
1: (laughs) Uh, I love that, Jake. I I will say another little tidbit I found uh, that would maybe lead to the jarring nature of the narrative of this show and uh, how it kind of changes over each episode. Uh, Nagashima said, "'Initially we were making a battle manga-type show, "'but it changed to character drama. "'The battle show planned for a complete story "'ended up becoming a work "'where regular characters' development slash drama "'will be thoroughly explored.'" The work coincidentally became much more interesting from there. And they would continue to make uh, alterations in the direction of the show as they went. Nagashima said... With Kill a Kill, the whole staff with me included submit ideas, like, hey, this would be cool, and the series layout keeps changing. It's really a live production. If anything, it's quite similar to the experience I had when I was producing weekly manga. With weekly manga, you keep developing slash making things in the direction the characters are moving, so it's really fun. Kill a Kill gave me that vibe. Examples of this that were initially, uh, there were initially no Magical Girl transitions into their, like, warrior mode. Uh, Ryuko also was initially a gun-toting bounty hunter, which ends up being its, uh, I think, it's, its own separate character that we get in the show as a part of the uh, the nudist beach committee or whatever.
0: In an interview, Nakashima said that in the original uh, layout, uh, Ryuko's dead father was going to reappear as the main villain mm. behind everything. Like you know, there were all sorts of uh, things up in the air when they were actively making it, um, but. God damn, Holden. God damn. I just I, fr- from an animation perspective, it is thrilling to watch and uh full of visual humor that I find so uh charming and you know unexpected. Uh the actual uh uh politics of it, the actual cultural commentary it's making, uh, you know, even if I don't get the uh, you know, there's tons of stuff about like Japanese history, about Buddhism, about uh the weird rivalries between uh, Osaka and Tokyo (laughs) that happened throughout the episodes.
1: Yeah, barely Ryuko is actually supposed to be like kind of a one-to-one to to an Oni demon. Yeah. And and, and also like what that meant towards a a certain era in Japan.
0: Oh, her literal, her eyes are the exact shape of the uh, Wheel of Dharma. Like the looms that formed the life fibers uh, look like a mandala. There's like... Uh, all the characters have uh, various, a- uh, not, a- not not allegories, uh, 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 sideways similar thing to uh, Buddhist mythology. Wait, why can't I think of the word? Whatever. I'm getting old. My brain stopped working. It's fine. I embrace it. <laughs> There's tons of things going on. Uh, you mentioned the kill a kill, meaning, you know, to wear, to cut. Uh, you mentioned uh how the Japanese pronunciation of the words fashion and fascism is uh fasho and fasho, like are very the same. Uh the words for uh sailor uniform, seifuku, is pretty much identical to the word for conquest, seifukua. Um the even the name kamui, which is what they call their like high-level uh uniforms, uh also mirrors the word for divine rule, Kamui. Like, there's so many things where just there's symbolism layered on top of each other that it it just it's dense. The plot is dense. The character, the dialogue flies by at a rapid pace. The jokes are dense. It's just such a meaty entertainment sandwich that I just love sinking my teeth into, Holden. Yeah, and I really think I I don't I don't I, I've been foaming at the mouth praising this show for an hour at this point and I still don't think I've done it justice.
1: Yeah, and I think for my purpose like I would just say they probably could have gotten what they were getting across with all of this stuff and the fan service thing uh if and and uh still gotten a little lighter on the fans. Like it is so constant and gratuitous in your face that um, that's the only thing I would say is that like, and, and they, they lighten it up with a lot of humor and things like that. And I mean, there's others, th- there's also other little problematic things that are unavoidable Holden, from just a show that came out your, before like 2018. You
0: didn't get to this episode, Holden, but you will regret your words and deeds because <laughs> it is explained in one of the later episodes that the outfits are so revealing because that way it balances, uh, the human mind from the high powered clothing, because if the clothes were less revealing, the clothing might overwhelm the user and cause them to go berserk. So, I mean, there's an in canon reason why we have to see all that butt crack. So, I bet you feel pretty silly. <laughs> now, that's fucking cousin logic. That's the <laughs> shit where I, if you're like sincerely making that argument, yes, go outside, touch grass.
1: <laughs> uh, so, definitely check out Kill a Kill. Definitely check out Girl of And if you want more, they also did a film recently that was. I remember you screaming about it on oh, some Promare of our bonus content. Oh, was so good. Yeah, what's the deal with Promare, Pro
0: Promare is another heightened world full of great uh, off-kilter Imaishi animation direction, which involves a world where uh, human beings uh, fight against a mutant uh, strain of humanity that causes fires. And so in this world, the firefighting teams, the firefighting squads, have this like superhero-like uh, mech technology that they use to fight these fire-starting mutants, uh, and we follow a leader of a fire resistance movement, and we follow the head of the firefighters as they uncover the secrets behind both of their origins, and it also just leads to... It's basically like Gurren Lagan and Kill la Kill condensed into a film version, and if and that's saying a lot because both of those series are already condensed within themselves. It is a fucking trip. It is a great viewer experience if you ever want to watch it.
1: Hell yeah, man. And I just think one of the other cool elements, I mean, take all this stuff that we have, the debate around, you know, the the uh, merits of the show and everything. I think the other really cool, like, situation at the heart of all of this is this writer-director team that is Nakashima and Imiyashi. And it's just so wonderful when, like, you see two people in real time, like, find each other. And it's just obviously, like, they have this incredible collaborative relationship that they just continue to be putting things out uh, together. And it, it's, it's really awesome to see. And, like, what they create as a team is wholly unique and wholly... Uh, uh, more interesting than like most of the things out there, and and uh, on top of that, you have Studio Trigger also still putting stuff out. Um, I see B and A brand new animal, uh, which came out in 2020, and uh, you know there's such a new company. I mean, that was Kill, la Kill was their first thing, and that was in, started in 2013. So this is a really much much more uh, current. Uh, you know, d- oh. coverage of an anime property. And you a know production what? Studio. If you
0: want that studio trigger magic and you actually don't want to get eked out by like fan service, Little Witch Academia is exactly what you're looking for, Holden. Little Witch Academia oh, hell yeah. is maybe the perfect uh blending of this kind of uh revolutionary kind of. N- People consider Trigger to be the new Gynax, like the new anime fans, anime studio. And uh, I know. I watched this I watched Little Witch Academia with Marie and she was completely smitten by that show. It has the same high-flying action, the same fast-paced comedy, all taking place in this idyllic kind of Harry Potter like setting. It's fantastic. If if like what we've talked about is enough to make you go like, "Eh, I don't I don't want to deal with all that stuff." Definitely check out Little Witch Academia.
1: Yeah, for sure. Oh, man, there's so many cool things. They've also done some video game stuff. They did the opening for a game I enjoyed called Indivisible, which I thought was by the Skullgirls people, but maybe maybe not. I mean, it was. They just... They didn't have to animate the opening. Right, right. Yeah, they just did the opening. Yeah, no, I no, I just wanted to confirm that before, uh, confidently saying that. Uh, Fire Emblem Fates, they worked on some of that, uh, some some illustrations and stuff. It's, it's. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely way more invested in the work of Studio Trigger moving forward. And if I see these two names on a project or anything uh, coming out from Studio Trigger, I'm definitely going to have to check it out. This, this stuff is... Really good. I love the animation. I love the vibe, and yeah, you'll just just throw on episode one. You will get sucked in. It is just like such a nonstop. I don't think I've ever seen an anime show uh, that had this level of uh, just frenetic energy and constant motion forward. It really, really. It, it it eventually settles down a little bit to to explain some things, but not until. At least after episode, like, four or five. Like, you it is just a thrill run. You find out stuff in
0: the same pace as our main character, and she reacts to that information the same way you do a
1: lot of the time. Yeah. So it's actually <laughs> very fuck? well done. I love the I love Ryuko. She's such a fun character.
0: A quick uh, thing about the soundtrack by Hiroyuki Sawano. Oh, yeah. In the Kill a Kill soundtrack, uh, a lot of songs actually have lyrics, which really adds. I feel like, um, Holden, you're used to the thing where you're, uh, you know, you're playing a JRPG and you hear like a villain theme and then it moves on to the next phase of the villain theme. And all of a sudden you start hearing lyrics and you're like, holy shit. Uh, he lists, uh, Danny Elfman and Hans Zimmer as major inspirations and, uh, two songs just to highlight, um, especially, uh, what makes, uh, you know, kill a kill so compelling. I sang like eight bars of it before, uh, But uh, first is Ryuko's theme. Uh, April, you'll know Don't Lose Your Way is when you kick in. But uh, the track uh, Before My Body Runs Dry, Before My Body Is Dry, whatever that one is, uh, just play a second of that.
1: Don't lose your way.
0: God so good and uh the main villain's track is this like haunting german thing with like uh this just menace dripping out of every pore called Blumenkranz and like if you watch this show you will never be able to hear this song without feeling something in the pit of your stomach just a little bit of Blumenkranz if you can April
1: Hell yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, I think that about does it. That's our episode on Kill the Kill. a lot of fun this week. Uh, definitely uh, didn't even. I guess uh, we we just we did our gush in the beginning because I uh, you know which Oops, was just so like gush. I just I just watched this and it was awesome. Uh, yeah, for for me, it really turned me on to a lot of new stuff, and I love episodes like these where I just get to discover this incredibly fun thing. Also, it's straight up on Netflix at least for now, and um, it again is just twenty four episodes, and they're twenty four minute episodes a piece. There was. A 25th episode produced. It was released as
0: a original video animation.
1: Right. I need to find, I need to track that down.
0: You can find it through legitimate or illegitimate sources. If you get through the Netflix and you want to see a little like, Bowtie victory lap What it due to
1: the series? It's sort of like a denouement? Is it like, it, does it kind of- no, It takes uh, place
0: between the ending of the show and the uh, coda that happens at the end of the show when okay. you see
1: how everybody's settled in their new lives. Okay. Uh,
0: it literally just like ties off one loose end and just has a chance for- our main characters to yell and do crazy shit again. Nice. It's it's completely unnecessary.
1: Very cool. But uh, hell yeah, I'm going to go watch it. Alright, thanks again everybody for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to support us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Uh, that's patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. We are doing uh, bonus episodes every single week for just $5 a month and you can also at the $15 layer join us for the weekly Sunday study session on Discord where we hang out and cover Whatever, whatever we are gonna be researching that week this past time we watched a few episodes of kill the kill with a group and it was awesome uh so yeah check us out on there check me out on twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho i'm streaming monday tuesday friday i'm gonna i'm gonna really try to make some efforts to uh do some extra streams as well why not uh it's it's the season for it i feel like because the summer's here and i hate the heat i want to <laughs> stay inside i want to I want to just play video games at my PC. So check me out on twitch.tv forward slash ho Follow me
0: on Twitter at bestjakeyoung. And uh, hey, check out uh, Puppet Jared on YouTube and Twitch, twitch.tv slash puppetjared, youtube.com slash puppetjared, where I also stream. I'm a VTuber. I by this point I think you all come to terms with my heel turn as VTuber, and it's fine. Uh, The flagship stream is on Thursdays, the cartoon dumpster where uh, me and about 100 beautiful, lovely community members uh, watch weird, bad cartoons from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s and joke around and have a great time. Uh, The past is another country, Holden. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. And you will not experience the weird vertigo of seeing what uh, 90s cartoon writers thought... (laughs) the drug problem
1: in America was. Love it. Uh, Yeah, please check that out. Puppet Jared's the best. Uh, All right, and always remember, never stop bruising. And keep on whizzing. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.